0: So, I tene, ahi, ahi. Good afternoon. The panel, Susan hornsby Gallo, and Phil O'Reilly with me this afternoon. Straight into it. The report into National MP Sam Uffendale by KC Maria Jew will not be made public. His former flatmate and her father are happy for the report to be publicly released in redacted form. Both stand by her account of what happened and are deeply unhappy. Uffendale's word was taken over hers, the Tauranga MP was stood down after a former flatmate told RNZ he was an aggressive bully at Otago University, once pounding on her bedroom door, yelling until she fled through her window. National says the report found Uffendahl did not engage in the behaviour his former flatmate detailed on RNZ last month. So, what would be the fallout from not making it public? And indeed, is there a legal obligation for it to be? Made public. With us is Otago University Law Professor Andrew Geddes. Professor Geddes, kia ora. Yeah, kia ora. What could be the reason for not releasing it?
1: Uh, well, the reason for not releasing it is uh, the National Party doesn't have to. It's their report. They commissioned it from a lawyer. Uh, they paid for it, and the report was given to them for their purposes. So, you know, the National Party can use it however they want.
0: So there's no legal requirement for the National Party to release it, or at the very least provide an executive summary?
1: No, because there was no legal obligation to undertake the report in the first place. I mean, the report was undertaken because these allegations had been raised. The National Party wanted to find out, for its own purposes, you know, what exactly is going on here, and is there anything we need to worry about? They hired a private lawyer to provide them a private report, uh, which they're now using as they see fit.
0: right. So they don't have to release it. There has been a decrease in public trust around politics. We're going to touch on that later in the program, Andrew. I mean, not releasing it might well speak to that issue of all parties trying their very best to be more transparent.
1: Well, I mean, that then is, of course, the political issue. So there's no legal issue here really at all. The political question comes down to appearances and, you know, to be claiming, look, everything's fine. We've checked this out. We've got a report that tells us there's no problem, but you have to take us on faith that that is the case. And we're not even going to tell you what questions were asked where the terms of reference won't even be released. So you can see what was looked into, you know, it's, it's asking a lot of the public now you know, I don't think any lies have been told here. I don't think um, when they stood up and said what the report contained, they're not outright lying. The question is whether it's been presented in a way that's favourable in a particular way and you know what exactly did the report find in terms of what was asked to be looked at.
0: All right. Now, let's bring Susan on. Susan, I know that you've been interested in this and you've been asking about the, the obligations to release it.
2: Yeah, look, I think there's two things. Firstly, um, the justification for not releasing it was confidentiality in the first instance. So um, the complainant has waived that confidentiality, so we're now talking about his confidentiality. Um, And then secondly, what was the purpose for um, asking for this report? Surely some of that was around public confidence. Now, you don't obtain public confidence by saying, well, we've done this investigation, but we're not going to release the outcome. Because it's one thing to say um, he's been cleared of the allegation. I'm not sure that that's actually... uh, completely accurate. Uh, my understanding of the outcome is that the allegations were not substantiated on the evidence, which falls short of clearing him. So well, there's we don't a lot know of mur- because we
0: haven't, we haven't seen what the report involves.
2: Um, that is right. Um, but my understanding from the investigator is that um, the allegations were not substantiated, which actually is not clearing him. So, um, you know, if, if they set out to instill some public confidence by doing this investigation, I I don't think um, withholding the report actually achieves that. Comment Andrew?
1: Well, I think that's the question, you know. Has the way that the party has presented the report and the way that they've talked about it in the public domain done enough to make the public feel, oh, okay, this issue's been sorted? Um, In terms of the confidentiality question, uh, I mean, there is the fact that the complainant has waived her right to confidentiality in, in terms of she's happy for her account to go out there uh, with her name anonymized and so on. There were, however, I think quite a lot of people who gave evidence, at least a dozen or so, and we don't 14, know under what, yeah, what conditions they were prepared to give there and so on. So That might be slightly more complicated, but certainly there'd be nothing to stop at least the terms of reference and knowing what questions were asked and therefore answered, as well as some sort of executive summary, you know, sort of a general overview of the findings. There's no reason that couldn't be released without confidentiality being a question.
3: Phil O'Reilly. Well, I think the challenge we've got is that uh, that Christopher Luxon said at the start that the report would not be published. In other words, mm. before he even started the process, he said, I'm not going to publish the report. And the reason for that, which we need to take account of, was he needed he wanted to give – or the, the process – wanted to give safe space to anybody other than the flatmate who might come forward. And indeed, that was the whole idea. Is, is there anybody – is anything else going to come out here? Because people need to feel safe, not just women, but also men who might want to come forward and give evidence to that inquiry. Now, having done that, I think it's quite hard for him now to say, well, look, because people are asking for it, I'll release it. And, of course, if the flatmate wants to release her evidence to it, either anonymized or not, it's, it's over to her to do that. She's, there's nobody stopping her doing that. So part of the challenge here we've got to worry about and we've got to be a bit cautious about is providing safe space for complainants or not and not changing course midstream because we don't know who those 14 were and we don't know what they said, uh, and and because they were given undertakings about confidentiality, we need to be quite cautious about trying to force the issue uh, for for no matter what reason. In other words, Luxon made his bed, he has to sleep in it now, uh, and there's reasons why that would be, so I wasn't surprised that they came up with the position that they came up with. Andrew?
1: Oh, quite indeed. I mean, (laughs) I don't think there's any question that the entire report could be released, uh, even in an anonymised form. But once again, uh, you know, the terms of reference, what was the KC asked to investigate? That doesn't raise any issues of confidentiality. And without knowing that, without knowing exactly how widely this uh, uh, inquiry was set up, what sort of things were asked to be looked at, it's very hard then to know whether the actual outcome uh, can be fully trusted.
0: Andrew, do you think there needs to be some sort of independent body at arms remove that... You know, has its own budget and that commissions such a report as opposed to the party itself.
1: Well, this is one of the issues that's sort of arisen in parliaments around the world whether there should be some sort of, you know, a parliamentary commissioner to investigate uh, the actions of members of parliament and so on. Um, of course, the problem with politicians setting one of something like that up is they'll all be uh, accountable to it, and I think they're very worried about having a independent, you know, witch hunter out there looking at their actions. Um, but without something like that, we're basically left with the parties hiring their own private lawyers to do their own reports and their own inquiries, and then uh, using them as they see best or see fit. Hey, Andrew,
0: stay with us because the news out after to this afternoon as well. Public Service Commissioner Peter Hughes uh, will investigate contracts with Government Minister Nanaima Huta's husband's business. This is uh, Ka'awatia services owned by Gannon Ormsby. And National's Simeon Brown requested the company's contracts uh, with Order, the Ministry for the Environment, the Department of Conservation and Te be looked at. Uh, into, rather, after it was raised in the media, uh, and Nanaima Huda said she supports the matter being raised. Um, uh, can you comment on this, um, uh, Professor Geddes? I mean, it's back to that issue of transparency in democracy. Conflicts of interest really have to be taken seriously?
1: Yes, and I, I mean, I think it's entirely appropriate that the, um, the there's going to be some sort of investigation. Well, we should note it's not a... It's not a Full inquiry. The the commissioner could use powers under the Public Inquiries Act, uh, which are quite extensive. They get people in to actually swear an oath and so on and so on. He said that the issue isn't of a nature that requires him to have those sorts of powers, uh, which makes sense because he's basically going to be running a ruler over the public service and public servants' own internal actions. He's their boss. So if they don't sort of comply and don't sort of go along with uh, his inquiry, he can basically just sack them. So um, it's going to be, yeah, I guess like an internal check that all the processes were properly followed and so on. I think that's appropriate, not because necessarily there wasn't any wrongdoing. It's entirely likely this will come and everything was fine, but we should be seen to be looking at this carefully. I don't quite understand that, Andrew.
0: Sorry. I mean, Mm -hmm. he wrote in a letter that I didn't think the matter reaches the threshold for an inquiry, yet agrees that how the four agencies manage conflicts of interest needs to be looked at. What's he saying?
1: So it's a slightly technical legal point. It doesn't raise the level of inquiry under the legislation which would give him these special extra investigative powers. He doesn't need those to look at this particular issue. That's what he's saying. But I am going to look at the issue. I just don't need those extra legal powers to do it in this case.
0: Now, Professor Geddes. Thank you very much uh, for that. It is 17 past four. You're on the panel, RNZ National. Susan Hornsby-Galloch and Phil O'Reilly with me today. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced an initiative to research social media algorithms to create a secure internet, the Christchurch Call Initiative. Algorithms used by social media companies to drive traffic and make money have long been shrouded in secrecy. Critics argue they can... Radicalise people by pushing them into shadowy corners of the internet Ardern announced it in New York after co-hosting a summit with French President Emmanuel Macron The initiative is backed by Aotearoa, the US, Twitter and Microsoft But missing? The giants, the big ones, Facebook and Google With us is Paul Spain, host of NZ Tech Podcast, founder of Guerrilla Tech IT Kia ora Paul Kia ora, how are you doing? Well Paul thanks for being with us so the big guns aren't part of it so far Facebook especially what's the point?
4: yeah look this is uh, this is my concern and I wonder why they haven't signed on is there is there something that we don't know about this is putting mm. that's putting them off or is it genuinely just something that is going to uh, going to challenge uh, meta and bite dance and uh, they're, they're worried about the business impact of this.
0: What do you make of the research itself to build and test a set of privacy-enhancing technologies? What do you hope will come out of it?
4: Look, it's it's actually with the information they've shared so far, it's quite uh, it's quite hard to understand actually what the output would be. They're talking mm. about a one point five million dollar investment over a nine month period. Um, we may just have to wait and see and see what uh, what actually pops out the other end. Uh, and, you know, what, what this research delivers. I guess, for, you know, from, from my perspective, um, you know, we, we've got probably all sorts of challenges with, with algorithms, and it's, uh, you know, it's not just related to terrorism. There's, you know, mental health issues and, and so on that get caused by algorithms. So, um, you know, is this the right approach, this sort of very focused approach? Um, mm. Maybe, but we kind of have to wait and
0: see. Susan, do you sometimes feel your online life is determined by algorithms, the articles you read, the music you listen to, the um, information
2: uh, you get. The adverts that pop up, because yeah. I'm constantly <laughs> scrolling through what I can sort of buy and what I can't, and then all these adverts pop up. It's actually wow. creepy. Yep. And I think that um, some transparency around how these companies use that information is really important. Paul?
4: Yeah, look, I'm all for uh, transparency with with the algorithms and that would need to be translated into into something I guess that uh, most of us can can understand because the algorithms themselves are no doubt fairly uh, fairly complex and there is a degree to which we probably do understand uh, the way some of these algorithms uh, work and if you're clicking on one type of content the platform tends to give you more and more of that type of content um, and advertising that lines up with the sorts of things that you uh, you pay attention to. And uh, there's some good sides to that, and there's some uh, some risky sides.
0: Can I just echo Susan's comments there? And uh, listeners might uh, maybe want to sort of uh, jump on this as well. I find it actually quite chilling and quite creepy. Um, for example, my um, – I haven't told anyone, just my wife, uh, <laughs> that my sneakers are badly in need of replacing. You know, I wear things for a long time, so I've got my sneakers here. How does my computer know – that I'm looking for sneakers. Can it smell oh. then?
3: It's a, it's a, I was going to say it's a smelling thing, surely. <laughs> is it?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: there, there's your answer, Wallace.
4: Oh, okay, Paul, think I
0: could have come up with. <laughs> yeah. No no no, no. 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 Tell. Answer me. Tell. What's What's the answer?
4: Look. The 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 reality is. I think we see those sort of certain scenarios that. Um, that come up that are really really hard to you know explain. We're, we're told that uh, that our phones aren't aren't listening to us and um, and so on. And then you know you're talking about something and suddenly you see see all these ads.
0: That's right. Um,
4: and look, it's it, it is at times really hard to uh, understand that. Um, well, is that know, for some, real? Sometimes.
2: That they actually uh, listen to you, sorry, I'm uh, shocked.
4: They, they, they certainly should, they shouldn't be, and I don't think we've ever seen any evidence to say that they do, but it creates a scenario where it feels like they're listening to us, and I think that's, that's what we're hearing here around Wallace's shoes, as a similar <laughs> sort of scenario where it sort of feels as a hold on, you know, is, is, there, is there something here looking at my sme- feet, uh, smelling my shoes, reading my mind, um, and there is an aspect to algorithms where, you know, they can, you know, predict certain things, you know, based on our activities, what we search for, uh, what we buy. Um, you know, many people will remember a scenario in the US some years ago uh, where um, uh Youngster that had become pregnant, maybe didn't even know it herself at, at the point in time, got, you know, sent something by a supermarket that was, uh, um, you know, in, in line with uh, being pregnant um, based on varying other sort of buying habits and had actually, you know, the algorithm had deduced this.
0: Good grief. Uh, so
4: these things can be, can be incredibly smart wow. and that can be really, really spooky.
3: Phil? So so these algorithms, I think it's an important point, it's come out, but let me reiterate it. They can be really positive as well as being negative. I mean, I my music streaming app, I like jazz, and I'm really happy. My music streaming it doesn't send me Megadeth, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it actually learns what I like and keeps on sending that music to me, and I'm cool. And I can I can search on Megadeth if I want to, if I'm if I'm feeling particularly no, because it bad. just
0: means it just means you have a closed mind because <laughs> there's a no, no 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 because because you could you could get into jazz German jazz metal, of which do. is a, it's a very strong subculture. Could do it also yep. sends
3: me a bit of Megadeth, I must say. There's a, okay. the odd Megadeth comes through, but my point is so so that the the. This, this, this sort of uh, machine learning and stuff that's going on is, is is what it is. But I go back to what is being announced here in, in the U.S. by mm. the Prime Minister. It's, the, the way I think about that is it's actually nation states lobbying a company that's almost bigger than nation states, right? So Meta is bigger than New Zealand. So the, the work that the Prime Minister is doing, I think, is sensible work to put pressure on the likes of, of Meta and Google and so on to say, actually, you should change your practices and to build public awareness about this. Now, it's, so it's not perfect that they're not involved. It doesn't surprise me that they're not, frankly. Why would you? But it does put some pressure on them, and that's I think that's a good thing.
0: Someone says, Wallace, some MSM companies are listening to your phone mic even when the phone is off. They have access to the microphone uh, when your phone is on or off. Mm, We might follow up on uh, that particular snippet there. But, uh, Paul, just finally, um, uh, this was part of what was known as the Christchurch call to really combat uh, online extremism and this is the serious end of the uh, conversation here since it was set up and it's only very recent of course but what impact do you think it's had?
4: Look it, it's hard to see a lot of impact but the, the nature of uh, you know these sort of technological things is the fact that it, it's got the attention, the fact that we've got Meta and uh, you know varying other companies that are, are focusing on it and governments are looking at it and giving it attention uh, means that you know over time we would certainly hope that there is uh, that there is an impact, but we still have that challenge that it is uh, it is very very hard to change the nature of how technology works, the nature of uh, how social media uh, operates and it's hard to uh, build legislation that you know steers things in a new direction with um, you know with new technology uh, that takes some time.
0: Kia ora Paul thank you for your time This Paul Spain host of the NZ Tech podcast um, quite a bit of response actually about phones listing in or actually syncing up with what, what, what you feel you're Thinking, the algorithms are also looking at what your friends who are connected to Facebook are buying and sending you the same things because it thinks that what you're into, your friends are probably into as well. Simple. Uh, Wallace. as they do listen, many times things pop up within hours of me speaking but not writing anything online. Uh, imagine political implications if we lived in that type of surveillance state which is, I think is quite a fair point um, another one here they do listen. and I have spoken verbally only near my phone about something very abstract and then have received pop-ups regarding it it's 27 past 4 you're on the panel RNZ National nice to be with you now what sort of feeling do you get when you're in late October and the Christmas decorations are starting The Christmas mince tart for sale. The tinsel. The odd Christmas fairy popping up. Well, try September. What sort of special hell is this when you see Christmas items around you now? As one person did. A snap of Santa and reindeer-themed chocolates on sale at a countdown supermarket. You hear music like this. Horrific song. It's a horrible song. In September, Susan... The audacity of it! What do you think?
2: I think it's atrocious commercialism, yep. and those reindeer—I've seen a picture of them—look suspiciously like bunnies, so left over from Easter, and they'll be well off by Christmas. It's just ridiculous, and it just takes the you know the excitement and the joy out of it. It should be banned until at least late November.
0: Oh, a hundred percent! Thanks for that. You can—is t- it Mariah Carey? You can turn that off now. But thank you. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> Did, did Meatloaf have a Christmas uh, album? Did Meatloaf I, do this? Did well, you know, meatloaf if, said, if, if Meatloaf had a Christmas album, I would be the first one in the queue. <laughs> Never liked the Mariah Carey song. Don't know why. Oh. My wonderful, beautiful wife absolutely loves it.
3: Um, but there's a name for this, isn't there, Phil? It's called The Christmas Creep. It is. And look, I'm all for it. And the reason I'm all for it is I like eating chocolate, eating inappropriate food, lazing about, uh and And drinking inappropriately. And the only downside is you've got to visit your family uh, early. So I'm all for it. Wow. I, I think we should have Christmas all year round. And the, the other thing, actually, an Easter issue, which is all related issue, why is it we can't have hot cross buns the whole year round? I don't understand that. I like hot cross buns. I love hot cross buns. Why isn't it that, that they just have them year round? I don't understand that. So but there's, a, there's a an opposite cult, thing here. It's a cultural etiquette, isn't it?
0: I mean, exactly. we're just out of a 10-day mourning to the Queen, and now we've been funneled into the season of mince tarts and tinsel Absolutely. and attitudes like yours. It's <laughs> really... It's fairly unusual, Phil, for you to be coming on the panel and saying this, isn't it, Susan?
2: I just think it's terrible. I don't know whether he's for real or not. But, you know, you've got to have something different at Christmas. It's got to be a surprise. That's the point. If you have it the whole year round, it just becomes the norm.
3: Your grandmother.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, guess, I guess, Susan, on another level, is it okay to give retailers a break? After all, COVID has hit, and if you've got your mince tarts there, ready to go, packaged up, the glitter on them, why don't you put them out on sale Well, in September?
2: Yeah, you you can do that, but looking at the bunnies, I mean, chocolate is chocolate. Phil, if you want a bar of chocolate, buy a bar of chocolate, but dressing it up as a reindeer in September is just wrong.
3: Oh, it's great. (laughs)
2: <laughs> there
0: you
3: go, but a bit of difference of
2: opinion I'll <laughs>
0: on that one. Now, uh, I must say, that regarding uh, uh, surveillance, uh, Wallace, TVNZ Plus is currently screening the drama The Capture, which is an excellent examination of the use of algorithms and deep fact technology influencing politics. Uh, I read the Guardian review of The Capture, five stars, it has been one of the most watched dramas of all time in the UK. And let me tell you this, this afternoon, it is extraordinary. Right from the first five minutes. It's called The Capture, and it's quite something. You'll be blown away. Um, they do listen to those phones. I was complaining to my husband about our Dutch neighbour. Then mm-hmm. I started receiving ads for Holiday deals to Holland. <laughs>
3: Or a visit from the Dutch neighbour. Yeah, maybe. Uh,
0: you're on the panel, RNZ National after headlines. What album hit like a meteorite 45 years ago on the stage?